0: No, we're going to start diving into a four-part series over the next few weeks entitled Love Is, and we're going to look at four different areas of love and how that applies to your life and how you can apply that in your everyday relationships, whether that be with your spouse, with others, with your kids, and you can grow in that. Somebody, real quickly, what, what, is, what is love? Real quickly, somebody, anybody. It's what? A choice. I like that. Anybody else? And you are awful quiet. You know, I got to fill 40 minutes, and I'm just asking for a little interaction here, and you all look scared. Imagine being me. <laughs> there you go. And, do what? All right. Anybody else? It's a lifestyle. Okay. Patience. Compromise. Why am I only getting men right now? <laughs> Silence. I've heard that can be deadly. <laughs> All right. We're talking about love. Thank you for those definitions. I want to ask you this. Um They say love makes the world go round. They say love is blind. Anybody else got any love sayings? Anybody? How about all's fair and what? Love and war. Anybody else? Am I missing anything? Love hurts. (laughs) So many things, and we hear so much about love, but we see so little of it in action our culture says being loved is more important than loving and that being loved depends on being attractive my notes say to name things that you love i'm not going to dare open this form for that one but there are certain things that you love There are certain things that attracted you to your spouse. There are certain things, if you're single, that you are looking for that attract you to a person. Love is this. You have it, you want it, or you lose it. People fall in and out of it. Love can turn to hate. And then on a dime switch to passion with a snap of a finger. And all the married couples in the house say amen. I'm still getting a little bit of, okay, thank you. How many of you know there are different kinds of love? Different levels of love? Different words for love? Love is a very complex and unique thing. I'll ask you this question: You answer it yourself. Is love a process or a state of being? It's a process. We live in a culture and a society that drives love as being this: what you want, what you desire what appeals to you about what I get from a relationship. That's the mentality of love. That's why we have so many issues when it comes to love, loving, and relationships, because our approach by human nature is to be selfish in what, in what we love. I love you because of what i get from the relationship i love and I'll, I'll i'll even go out on a limb and accommodate you and try to appease you and do some things for you but my motive is i'm going to get something in return for myself there are four types of love there's eros and I'm going to butcher this Greek, so just buckle up right here from the beginning. Storge, philio, and Agape. And today we're going to talk about the first one, which is Eros. That's a dangerous one. I know now my pastor gave me this one. Eros love is human love, it's romantic love. It's according to studies, it's the main reason you get married. Another descriptive term for eros is fiery passion, sexual love, getting something for yourself. It's kindled by attractiveness of another. It's referred to and, and it's described as excitement, pleasure, and satisfaction. It's a possessive love, but it's actually love for oneself, as I said just a few moments ago. Half, over half of American men and women say that not being in love is the grounds for their divorce. Think about that. Half, people, half the people in the world say um, I, I'm not, I, uh, us not being in love is the reason for our, us separating and dissolving our marriage. Eros love is a mixture. Notice this. It's a mixture of anger, joy, sexual urge, and jealousy. That's all consummated in ecstasy. That's a wide range of emotions. So pray tell me How are you going to love and have meaningful relationship between a spouse if all this revolves between attraction, hate, anger, jealousy, choice, sexual desire? You better have something concrete that you focus your life on or your relationships Are going to be an up-and-down chasm of one moment of you're up here to you're down here to you're up here you're down here the whole point of, of what we're going to discuss and look at is how can we love better Eros love is the thing that will first attract you to somebody It's the thing that pulls you to a spouse. But interestingly enough, when you get in the New Testament, eros love is not referred to one time. It's agape love that they write about. Now think about that. We all love the Scripture, and we're going to get there. We're going to dive into it. We're going to talk about it. Wives, submit yourselves unto your husbands. Husbands, love your wives. If you're coming at that Scripture from an eros mentality, you're going to have an unhealthy relationship. You submit to me because I get this is my right as a husband or vice versa, or ever how you want to put it. You've got to look at the content and the concept of what they were writing about so that we can have healthy marriages and relationships. Why would the, would the Scripture not mention eros love in Paul's writings? It's always about agape. There are different thoughts on this, but I want to pull the most prevalent one. I love history, I love to go back, and I like to look at history and look at what was actually happening in the culture and the time. And at the time that Paul was writing to the early church, you need to understand something. The Roman Empire the Roman Empire was at its height. Now, I asked you several months ago how many of you think about, men think about the Roman Empire on a, uh, on a frequent basis? It was a question that went along social media. Everybody want to know, well, why? Because it's important. You may think, well, no, it's not, but we're going to get there. At the time that Paul is writing to the church, Rome is in power, and you need to understand the society and the mindset that was created here. In Roman society, a woman was supposed to be faithful if she wanted to be considered virtuous, yet a man by roman society was to exercise his sexual prowess and conquest that meant that he could have as many relationships as he desired and it was looked down or it was looked upon as it was just within his human nature and who he was and he was less of a man if he if he devoted himself strictly to his spouse this is the culture that paul's addressing it's a very uh, open sexual culture, if you will. Kind of sounds familiar, doesn't it? Anything could go in Rome society. There was nothing that was looked down upon or labeled as taboo. It was wide open. Here it is. You can experience whatever you want. You can do whatever you want. You can enjoy whatever you want to do. As a matter of fact, in Corneth, where Paul writes... First and second Corinthians, there was a temple to a, a goddess named Aphrodite. She's the goddess of love and beauty and, at the, and considered a god of fertility. And the whole worship of this god involved the employment of, of thousands of prostitutes. That would enhance your spiritual experience. That's what they believed. They were so caught up in uh, Eros type of love that was just for the here and now and give me what I want and, 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 and allow me. I see this. I desire it. I want it. What is it? It's lust. Regardless of whether you want to admit it today or not, ladies and gentlemen, you are pulled and driven often by what you lust after. That's why I have to overcome the lust of the eye, lust of the flesh. Because if not, if I'm left to an eros type of love, I'm pulled by my desires. I see this, I want it. I see this, I desire it. I see this, I gotta have it. This is a trap, Oh, that's nice. It starts from a small age. Right now, I got two that are two and under in my house. And I can tell you from watching them play with toys, they pick something up that they desire. That's cool. Two seconds later, they throw that down and abandon it, and they pick something else up that they desire. Why? Because it's in their nature. It's ingrained in them. And so if you and I are going to succeed, I'm going to have to beat my flesh. I'm going to have to overcome this, this stuff. This gets me in trouble way more than Satan ever does. Many times we want to blame it on the devil. Well, the devil's fighting with me. The devil's after me. No, many times it's your carnal lust that pushes you towards something that you desire. And so the question is, how am I going to love and show love. Living in a world where I'm drawn and pushed and pulled by my desires. The fact of the matter is, is that in a society that was going nuts, very similar to our society. Paul said, if you're going to love if you're gonna have a meaningful relationship, if you're gonna have a sustained relationship, it has got to be built around agape love. We're gonna talk about agape love in detail in the weeks to come, but I want you to understand something about agape love. Agape love, when you look it up right out of the gate, says it's selfless love. It's selfless love. So when Paul is writing in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 15 through 20, he says, and I'm reading a different, slightly different version than the King James Version, says, do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? He's talking about the culture and the society that they are living in. He says, never. He goes on and says, or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her. What's he talking about? He's saying whatever you, you, you join yourself up with, whatever you link yourself up with, you become part of that. You become one flesh. For as it is written, the two will become one flesh, but he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. He says, flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person, and every other sin a person commits outside the body. But the sexual immoral person sins against his own body. Get my eyeballs on here. Or do you not know that the body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. You've been bought with a price so glorify your so glorify god in your body what's he saying in all of this he's saying you've got to be careful what you desire and you go after because what you link yourself to is going to cause you some issues I don't know if I believe that. Well, Scripture says it this way. In Genesis, it says that when the sons of God, spirits, angels, looked down on the earth and they saw women, that they went and they joined themselves. And out of that union, the Bible says that there were born men of renown or giants. Okay? Follow me here. A, A fleshly union with an unholy spirit gave birth to a giant whatever you allow to link to your spirit is going to give birth to the giant that you're going to have to defeat in your life. Does that make sense? We oftentimes look and we're trying to live for God and we're struggling in some areas of our life and we're warring and we're fighting. Why is that? It's because our spirit has linked up with something. Our flesh, rather, has linked up with something and it's given birth to the giant that I've got to defeat. Well, you're just talking about sexual things. No, I'm not. I'm talking about lust. I'm talking about loving and desiring something that compels you to be attracted and go after it. Yes, sexual things are a top priority. But I want to tell you something, you can lust and be driven after money and cause the downfall and the giant that you fight in your life. You can lust after wanting power and position and achievement in life to the point that you go after that with reckless abandon and you do not care about anything else other than that, because birth of the giant you're going to fight. It's going to be something that you have to war against. As Moses is writing to the children of Israel and he's talking about bringing in your tithe and and blessing the Lord, he makes a statement in Deuteronomy 14 and 26 that I found unique. Now, he's talking about giving, but he words it this way. And thou shalt bestow that money for whatsoever thy soul lusteth after. For oxen, for sheep, for wine, for strong drink, or whatsoever thy soul desireth, thou shalt eat thereof before the Lord thy God, and thou shalt rejoice, die in that household. He's talking about uh, if you were too far to bring your sacrifice to the priest, you take the money, you get something in return. But he said, he words it this way, he says, whatsoever you lusteth after. He said, what else? another translation of that says, whatsoever you desire, which lets me know there are things in this life that I desire, that I want. And what I desire and what I want and what I have to have falls into that category of eros. I want you to think about something. In the beginning, man was created perfect, right? Created in the image of God, had fellowship with God, had communion with God. He's in the garden. Things are going well. Things are going great. And then sin enters into the garden. And I go to the beginning a lot because I feel like Genesis is important. I want to know where we started. If I'm going to know where we end up, i got to know where we started. Satan appealed to Eve's desire. When he looked at her and the serpent looked at her and said, Has thou considered the fruit of the tree? She said, hey, we've got got free reign of this place. We can eat of whatever we want to. We can do whatever we want. We just can't eat of this tree. And the adversary said, but but when you take of this, you're going to be different. Now, in the beginning... Was the husband, the wife, communion, fellowship with God. We got agape love right there. But when the fruit was introduced and it was eaten, all of a sudden, man knew evil. Which meant that there by nature was a desire for man for everything he wanted. Wholesome, unwholesome, whatever. Give me. Allow me. I want it. It's mine. Now, marriage, relationship, is God instituted. It's biblical, right? I can't bring fleshly unhealthy love into what god designed to be a relationship that mirrors him and i expect it to work i cannot go after a spouse for anybody single i can't go after that relationship and expect to gain the person that God wants me to have and run strictly on Eros love. It will never work. And I believe in a society that was so pushing the agenda of, hey, you do whatever you want. You are your own God. You're a God unto yourself become whatever you want to become. That was the era that the Romans were. Ladies and gentlemen, that is the day that we are living in right now. If you want to create yourself, you create yourself into whatever you want to be. If you want to be a man and you're a woman, you create yourself into whatever you want. If you're a man and you desire to be a woman, you create yourself into whatever you want to be. It's your choice. It's your freedom. Be whatever you want. Do whatever you desire. We are living in a day very, very much like they lived. And when it came time to address love in the church, Paul would not even address Eros love. He said, if your relationships are going to make it, they got to be forged around agape love, which is selfless love. It's about me giving to you and you giving of yourself to me and let's building a relationship that's Christ-centered. Otherwise, it does not work. And I believe with all my heart that is why Paul didn't address some of that stuff. He didn't talk about that love being a primary love. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 24 through 33. All the married couples in the house, buckle up, get ready. Here we go. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. To sanctify her, cleansing her uh, by the washing with water through the word. And to present her to himself as a glorious church without stain or wrinkle or any such blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. Who who loves his wife loves himself. Indeed, no one ever hated his own body. But he nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and his mother and be united with his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This mystery is profound, but I am speaking about Christ and the church. Nevertheless, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. ever thought about something? My little ADHD brain gets kicking here every now and then. Isaac married Rebecca and he didn't even see a picture of her. I don't recommend that, by the way. Abraham gets ready to marry Isaac off and he turns to his servant. Didn't ask Isaac where I read. Isaac, sit down here, son. Now, you know, Isaac, it's that time of life where you're, you're growing up. It's time we had the talk. What are you looking for in a wife, son? I don't read where he got his input. Gee, thanks, Dad. Dad calls a servant in and says, Hey, I want you to do me a favor. I want you to go back where I'm from. I want you to find a wife. I want you to bring her to Isaac. I want you to bring the person that God wants my son to have. If I am that servant, I'm thinking, dear God in heaven, what have I done to make you mad? You are sending me on a fool's errand. You want me to go back to your land of origin to find a wife for your son that God wants her to have that's going to fulfill everything that he needs. And I don't even get to take the joker with me. I got to do this all myself. If I would have been that guy, I'd have been going. God, I'm asking right now that you would merge the thoughts of my master's soul into my brain so that I know the kind of person that I'm supposed to find. Because God, if this does not work out, I'm in deep trouble. But he goes and he does what Abraham says. And when he brings Rebecca back, Genesis chapter four and Verse 67 says, and Isaac brought her into the tent of his mother, Sarah, and he took Rebecca as his wife, and Isaac loved her. i will throw another one out there for you. Adam's alone by himself. Life's not working out too good. He's lonely. So God causes a deep sleep to fall over Adam. Boom, Adam goes out. And the Lord begins to build woman for Adam. Now, Brother well, Sean, he didn't even, you would think Adam would at least been awake. Hey, God, can you make her five foot two, brown hair, blue eyes? You know, God, can you do this? God, God didn't ask for Adam's stamp of approval. He knew what Adam needed. Now, hear me. God, if you are looking for someone, God knows who you need, and he knows what you need. If God has already given you the person that he wants you to have, he knew what you needed, and he knew what what was going to work for you. Think about that. I want to say, God, I want to love, but here are my conditions. This is what I want. This is how I want it. This is what I want it to look like. God says, I know you better than you know you. I know what you want. I know what you desire, but I also know what you need. I wonder what would happen if in my marriage or in my life, I would begin to approach it from the standpoint of, "I'm going to approach it selfless." God knew what I needed. Or God knows what I need. And I'm just going to say, God, let me be a channel to which you flow. Wives, submit yourself unto your husbands. Yes! Notice a well while ago when I was asking all the questions, all the men that were answering about what they thought love was. You know why that is? Men are visual. Women are thinkers. I don't read in the Bible where women, a uh, scripture where it says, and a woman saw something and it pleased her well, but I do read that about men. Eros love can trip you up because it gets, it works on your carnality. Men, many times it's what you see. Women, many times it's what you think or imagine in your mind. Well, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. This isn't how it was going to work out. And so you're fighting in each other's throats because it's just not what I think it should be. He's not how I think he should be. She's not what I think she should be. I could love her more if she were fill in the blank. Why? Because that's what Eros love does. Plays on your flesh. But when you approach that relationship and that uh, w- with God, I'm going to love her when you love the church. Well, how's that? Well, he died for it. When it wasn't giving him or reciprocating anything back to him. He gave himself for the church. He did everything he could to provide and take care and instill that there was a church. I'm thankful that God doesn't approach our relationships many times the way we do. If I don't get my way, I'm mad. I'm silent. I'm going to give you the cold shoulder. I'm not going to talk to you. I'm not going to interact with you. You're going to have to find your own supper. It's quiet in here this morning. You ought to be the one up here talking. Whew. I'm glad when I mess up, God doesn't go. I'm out. See you fixed that miracle yourself. Why? Because that's an eros love response. Because it's about me. You're supposed to take care of me. The greatest frustration God had with Israel was Israel was all about me. What are you going to do for me? I haven't eaten. The water's bitter. You not care that we're going to die out here? You not care that 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 it's about me? It's about what I get. It's about my gain. It's about and God said, the whole point of me bringing you out here was I was going to be everything for you. Now, husband, you're to love your wife like Christ loves the church. It means I'm going to nurture, I'm going to love, I'm going to provide, I'm going to do everything I can for you. And here's where I get myself in trouble. Wife, hear me. He may not be what you think he ought to be. But if he's getting up and he's going and providing and nurturing and loving and doing the best he can to love you like Christ loves the church, you've got to reciprocate and begin to love back. Agape is selfless. It's about you above me. It's about I love you you and I'm going to instill that that you're taking care of and I want you to know that I value you and you bring something to the table your thoughts are important I told you this was a tough lesson when Christ died First Adam, second Adam, right? You with me? Had Adam and Eve in Genesis. The second Adam is it's, a, it's symbolic. Christ, second Adam. He dies on the cross. It pierces his side. Outflows blood, water. Birth of the church takes place. It's water, spirit. Spirit is found in the blood. The name is applied through water. He said, you got to be born again of the water and of the spirit. Hear me, and I'm going, against, I'm going against culture right here. We look at marriage and we want to apply a carnal view of marriage to something that God instituted as a spiritual relationship. The reason we have so many issues within marriages in our society today is because we want to take something that was God instituted and make it something carnal, and it will never work in that setting. It has to be put in the setting that God designed it to be. I'm not here to beat you up. I'm trying to help you, and I got... Two minutes to do it. Thank God. Y'all think you're ready for me to be done. I'm ready for me to be done. Tough. Give me some decoys. Go into that, and I'm going to hurry. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to hurry and wrap this up. I showed you the decoys last week. I told you it creates a false sense of environment. It creates uh, a, a fake environment that causes that animal to want to be there. You need to understand something about eros love. If you don't get agape love in your relationships, you're going to be looking, always looking for something to fulfill and satisfy. And the enemy is very good at creating a false environment, a false sense, a false scenario that can trip you up. I want to help you this morning. That's why our society is so, is so taken with pornography, because it creates an, a world where you are taken care of and you get everything you desire. But it's a fake world. The guy who comes after you in the workplace, lady, the guy who's always the biggest flirt, who looks like he would be the perfect addition to what you do not have at home. Hear me. Satan is very good at creating a scenario that you can see in your mind and you can live your life around it and you can wrap your world around it and then you embrace it only to find that it was never what you thought it was going to be because you cannot trust Eros love. Not Not without being the full picture. Eros was meant to be put under agape. stand with me this morning we're entering in to the love month of February going to Walmart flowers everywhere chocolates everywhere but I wish that in this month that it would be the jumping off place for us this year to begin to build a relationship with our spouse in the principle that God wanted it in. I'm gonna love you beyond myself. If I'm looking, if I'm single, if I'm trying to figure out life, some of the greatest advice I could give to you would be start praying. God, you give me what you want me to have. And I submit myself to you. I'm going to serve you. I'm going live to live for you. And I'm going to build a relationship. If you don't have somebody right now, you start kingdom first. We say, seek ye first the kingdom. And all these things will be added. He'll give you the desires of your heart. Lord, I love you, and I thank you for your blessings and mercy. I'm asking that you would touch us this morning, that you'd go with us, guide us, keep us, direct us. I pray that your word would lodge in our hearts and that it would grow and resonate, I pray, in the name of Jesus. And everybody said amen. God bless you. We're going to take a 10-minute break and then kick off our main service. Thank you for being here today.